the five judge bench of the Supreme Court has spoken on the Article 370 issue. It's a bunch of issues all tied in together. So we are just using the Article 370 issue like a headline. So five judges, five judges on the bench have all given a verdict with which they principally agree. Within that, there are a couple of variants that we'll talk about. Now, since these are complex legal and constitutional issues, I thought instead of me trying to break them down, reading them up and learning from my colleagues, Bhadra, Bhadra Sena and Apurva Mandhani, both of whom, you know, they, they, they form our stellar legal and constitutional team. It is better to have them sitting with us and explaining the various issues to you and also the reasoning that the judges have arrived at and also what is the distinction between the view of two judges who have written separate orders as well while principally agreeing with the rest. So we know that in principle all the, all the government decisions to do with the change of the status of Jammu and Kashmir they've been held to be constitutionally correct am i am i right to say that yes and second the court has said that the election to the assembly now election to the state assembly ha ha has to take place by september 30 so by fixing that deadline for an election in effect they've also fixed an outside deadline to the reconstitution of in of a state of the restoration of the statehood of Jammu and Kashmir and the reconstitution of an assembly or in fact constitution of an assembly because it will be a new assembly. That is the essence of the judgment. So what we are going to do is that these two very well informed people, much informed than me, they will explain to us what the order means and the reasoning that the judges have arrived at. So to begin with, Apurva will explain to us how did we get here and then we'll get into other other details of the judgment and the reasoning and what will I do besides being the sutradhar of this conversation. I will butt in every now and then mostly when it comes to political and strategic issues and maybe at that point either Bhadra or Apurva will ask me a question on that. So this is not this is not a conversation that I am moderating or that I am leading. This is a conversation between the three of us, two specialists, one generalist. So Bhadra, Apurva, Apurva, please explain to us how did we how did we get here? Sure, I'll try to keep it really short and rewind back to August 2019 when we saw that uh, there was the news flash that Article 370 was abrogated. How this was done is a very complex set of two orders that were issued by the president for this discussion i think just to give you guys a gist of what article 370 was in short you just need to know two provisions sub clauses of article 370 because these will keep coming up in the conversation one was article 370 sub clause 1 sub clause d it's a mouthful i know but all it allowed was the president to apply certain provisions of the indian constitution to the state of erstwhile state of jammu and kashmir because as we know jammu and kashmir had its own constitution uh, it it allowed the president to do so either with consultation of the state government or concurrence with the state government depending on what provisions were being applied. Secondly, you need to know about Article 370 subclause 3. This is again very important. It allowed the president to declare the uh, Article 370 itself inoperative. That is, it would cease to exist, but it could do so with the recommendation of the constituent assembly of the state of Jammu and Kashmir, which as we know, did not exist anymore and this was the impediment that was in front of the government to how to get away with doing away with article 370 and that's what it did with the first proclamation that was issued by the president co272 as we call it 
the president did two things in it firstly it said that constitu it used another article altogether article 367 but i don't i won't confuse you with that it essentially said that constituent assembly in article 370 sub clause 3 would mean legislative assembly and that pro that order also co272 also applied the provisions of the indian constitution to the state of jammu and kashmir then other things happened um, rajya sabha then within hours uh, issue recommended article 370 should cease to operate we should also remember that at this time the state was under president's rule and then another order was issued by the president co273 which essentially declared that article 370 would cease to operate yeah so what it meant happening was it's something that i said also when this order was taken that principally no party in india no ruling party at the center wanted article 370 to continue to be as strong as it was in fact every every government at the center had weakened article 370 so by 2019 article 370 35a and everything else that happened around it in terms of the autonomy of the state it had moved a great deal from what it was how it was defined in 1952 it it had changed a great deal from 1950 52 it had become a pale shadow of what it was so the expression i used then was that what congress governments had been doing all this while through a process of halal the bjp carried out with like a jhatka so they just used one set of laws one amendments one morning in parliament passed them very quickly and that is why this went into legal challenges constitutional challenges and there were 23 different challenges yeah. uh bhadra will you explain to us the questions briefly now there are eight questions we don't have yes, to explain all of yes, them eight yes. questions so a to h a b c d e f g h eight questions those are the ones that chief justice of india chandrachur read out as he started reading his order and his summary of the order yeah but uh, before we talk about the eight questions as uh, mr shekhar gupta pointed out you know that the government of india over the years uh, as he said uh, through various orders was actually um, you know implementing various laws in jnk in fact the court has gone into this historical background to rule conclusively that article 370 was actually for the purposes of constitutional integration of jammu and kashmir with the union of india and that it has not been a piecemeal approach but it has been a gradual process so hence to say that you know there was a malified intention on part of the president's uh, notification would not be correct and primarily on this ground the supreme court has actually rejected the petitioner's contention uh, challenging the abrogation of article 370 so let's get on to the questions the first question which was framed by the uh, by the by the court was whether the proclamation of the governor of uh, 20th june 2018 uh, which is to dissolve the legislative assembly was actually constitutionally valid or not but the court did not go into this issue because this challenge came very late in the day it happened uh, this challenge was mounted after the abrogation of article 370 the second question uh, which was went into by the court was whether the proclamation issued by the president that is the president's rule whether that was constitutionally valid or not the court did not adjudicate upon the validity of the proclamation also for the simple reason that the petitioners had actually not 
made this prayer in the petition so the supreme court refused to get into this issue but at the same time the supreme court looked into one interesting question and that is whether there are limitations on the exercise of power by the president when a president's rule is issued the court conclusively held that yes there are limitations and that you know this president's rule should have a reasonable nexus with the object of the proclamation uh, through which the president's rule is imposed in any state and all the uh, and the decisions it said are also subject to judicial review but the day to day decisions that are taken by the central government when a president's rule is imposed imposed in the state each and every decision the court said cannot uh, look cannot be looked into by the court in fact it's a very important uh, ruling because it said that if the court gets into the day to day decision making process of the government it would actually put the administration of the state in a standstill also it will cause chaos that's right also it will cause chaos so as far as the uh, proclamation is concerned it did not go into the validity of the proclamation but yes it kind of talked about uh the exercise of power by the president and um, the fact that the union at the time of president's rule can actually also take decisions decision not just be, you know not just law making decisions but also non law making decisions so the the center's power to also take decisions when a president's rule is imposed in a state was also in a way upheld then came a very important question of whether the jammu and kashmir retained element of sovereignty or internal sovereignty now the reason why this question was raised is because the petitioners challenged uh, the abrogation on the ground that article 370 is a permanent provision of the constitution so if i may if i may ask you a curious question what the petitioners implied was that because of article 370 j and k unlike other in states in the union retained a degree of sovereignty of its own yes so the court has said that there is no such thing in fact the expression the judges used was that j and k at the time of signing of the instrument of accession surrendered its sovereignty i would have preferred if they had, you know one has to be uh, really really reckless to, to to pretend to edit the judges but probably a better expression would have been that sovereignty got dissolved in the union as as did the sovereignty of every other princely state in yes, india as yes. they joined the union that's so right. that's what they meant that as a princely state joined the union their respective sovereignty got dissolved in the union and that happened with kashmir and since it happened with every other princely state Kashmir was no exception. That's is right. my reading correct? Bilkul, perfect. That's the reading, and that is why the court went on to hold that Article three seventy is a temporary provision. Uh, you know, in view of the historical context as to how this article is actually introduced in the Constitution, it said that it is for the transitional purpose to provide for an interim arrangement. until the constituent assembly of the state was formed and uh, as uh, pointed out by mr shekhar gupta it was actually this process and procedure was followed Matlab by mr. every mr shekhar gupta nahi hota okay, abhi aap aap bahut der court mein baith ke aaye ho na isliye aapko sab shekhar no court language here. yeah yeah uh, okay and as said by uh, shekhar uh, this was followed by all the other princely states another important aspect and i'd like to tell you something on this note that bhadra came to work with us as as a trainee straight from college what 25 years ago uh, yeah, it, yeah about about 25 years, 25 years ago in the indian express so yeah. 
Even then she would call me Shekhar, but now suddenly because she spent six hours in the Supreme Court today, she's got thoda zyada izzat se baat kar rahi hai. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Another aspect which was pointed out by the Constitution bench is that this Article 370 actually finds a mention in that part of the Constitution which deals with temporary and transitional provision. Now coming to uh, another important question that was raised is whether the abrogation of Article 370 by the President uh, was constitutionally invalid in the absence of Constituent Assembly. So the court has said that it was not invalid; it was perfectly valid, and the fact that the Constituent Assembly is no longer present today doesn't mean that the President's power to declare the you know the non-operation of 370. is taken away so i mean they you know they have really extensively dealt with this uh, point but uh, it's very technical so yeah, i so let me try and simplify it uh, one way of putting it is that when article 370 was put in then the understanding that the court has given is that at that point it was needed it was an instrument to bring the state into the union because of the unusual circumstances then yeah. but the idea was that this would be temporary and in the course of time as that union was more complete and it was seen that maybe this this instrument was no longer necessary a political call would be taken and yeah. that political call could could be taken in 2019 it could be taken in 2029 could be taken in 2039 the bjp took it in 2019, in 2019 yeah. that is that, that is the point. yeah so another that's uh, the next question i think apurva would you like sure, to address it that is with regard to amendment to article 367 and what the court has said uh, of course badra so uh, like i mentioned 360 they used article 367 which deals with interpretation of the constitution to indirectly amend article 370 to clear the path because there was no constituent assembly this was the only uh, issue that the court held was invalid because it said that indirectly article 367 couldn't have been used to amend article 370 but it anyway said that this does not mean that the abrogation would be invalid on two pointers it said that in any case the president could have uh, unilaterally issued a proclamation extending all the provisions of the indian constitution to the state of jammu and kashmir as well as unilaterally could have issued a, an order saying that article 370 ceases to operate so even if it held this to be invalid just this part of that co272 everything else it held to be valid the next question uh, which the court had framed uh, apurva has already dealt with that which is whether the entire constitution of india could have been applied to the state of jammu and kashmir in exercise of the power under article 371d so as apurva pointed out the president unilaterally could have not only abrogated article 370 but also applied the entire constitution of india on jammu and kashmir without any recommendation of the constituent and the, and the judges uh, if i if i understand this correctly say that in any case under article 371 abcd etc where any special provision has to be created for a state that provision is available yes yes that's available so uh, the next question was with regard to the constitutional validity of the jammu and kashmir reorganization act 2019 by which 
the erstwhile state of jammu and kashmir was bifurcated into two union territories one is jammu and kashmir and the other is union territory of ladakh now interestingly shekhar the court refused to uh, i must not say refused but declined to get into this question only because uh, during the argument solicitor general mr tushar mehta had actually assured the court that full statehood of jammu and kashmir would be restored very soon and that the current status of jammu and kashmir as a union territory is temporary in nature so taking this promise into consideration the court said that at the moment it is not getting into the constitutional validity of this particular act and But, along with that only it directed the election commission of india to hold elections before but you know September. what happened when a government says says this is temporary temporary can mean anything because it's then infinite then it would depend on the wisdom of the government of the day wisdom and discretion so article 370 was temporary it took more than 70 years right uh, so the what the court has done in this case the five judges while they have accepted the government's argument that this is temporary so they haven't gone into the the division of the state on merit they have said that and nor have they set a deadline for the reconstitution or for the restoration of the statehood of jammu and kashmir but they have said hold this election by september 30 which yes. means before september 30 state has to be reconstituted state has to be created again and or restored statehood has to be restored and the assembly has to be then reconstituted after a fresh election yeah. so there is a there is a deadline and we know that by by mid march the general election will be over in the general election jammu and kashmir will vote for its parliament seats jammu and kashmir and ladakh and within months of that then state election will have to take place there so this means two elections in jammu and kashmir and ladakh within 6 months right right so and the last question which the court dealt in uh, dealt with was with regard to article 3 uh, whether uh, the government could have actually bifurcated the state into two uh, union territories or not under article 3 now article 3 actually deals with the reconstitution of a state you know where a state assembly's concurrence is needed but uh, with regard to this question also the supreme court actually upheld the center's contention that in the present circumstances a state assembly's concurrence was not required yes so just to understand this better when uttarakhand chatisgarh and jharkhand were created concurrence of the respective assemblies of undivided bihar undivided madhya pradesh and undivided uttar pradesh was sought and only then the division took place because article 3 uh, apurva will you explain article 3 of course bit? of course so article 3 talks about formation of new states and alteration of areas boundaries of existing states and it allows the parliament to do so by a law uh, through a law it can order formation of new states or new ter in, uh, union territories increase the area of state reduce the size of a state so it allows the parliament to do so however it has certain conditions so it says that the parliament can do so provided that no bill for purpose shall be introduced in either house except on the recommendation of the president and also such a proposal uh, where 
has to be referred to the press uh, by the president to the state legislature so the proposal just needs to be referred to the state legislatures and i think this is what the court referred to while dealing with this question as well right yeah and while dealing with this question what the court has actually said is that this is just recommendatory in nature hence what it holds is that parliament's exercise of power under this first proviso of article 3 is actually valid because it was not malified so let me ask you a question Uh, suppose any central government tomorrow uh, or through parliament of india decides to declare tamil nadu a union territory or divide tamil nadu into three uh, how does that work then they don't have to check with tamil nadu assembly uh, so as far as carving out a ut out of a state a particular part of the ut a particular part of the state as a ut is 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 a valid exercise for which you don't need because uh, in this particular judgment it has upheld the status of ladakh as ut because according to article 3 the central government can actually carve out or probably earmark a certain part of the state as a union territory so tomorrow if the central government wants they can carve out uh, kanyakumari as a union territory yeah but yes. it just needs to seek views of the uh, state legislature that needs to be done and Residence. secondly the exercise uh, it had the you know it has to be determined whether it was a malified exercise or not so the entire thing what the court has actually based its judgment is on the fact that whatever steps have been taken whether there is a reasonable nexus to the objective of the steps that have been taken well, i would say uh, this is opinion i would say that this goes into tricky area because you know you are living in a major under a majority government majorities can become bigger and i'll be surprised if this was the spirit of this judgment but we'll see because there'll be a lot of debate on this because this kind of a power uh, in a federal uh, republic with the center uh, will be unsustainable going ahead having said that the judges have been very clear that this is in the context of jammu and kashmir that's right because also yes. the court has left it open, open whether yeah. a state can be bifurcated or downgraded so to say if i may use that word to union territory yeah because that uh, has been left open because the question over the validity of the reorganization of states act is still hasn't been decided by the bench they have left it open they they they've passed it that's mm-hmm. right they they've, they've passed, passed it, it. they've passed they've it. passed it yeah so now tell me uh, this is now we understand the basic judgment so what are the two difference dif- not i they are not dissenting uh, views but two different views that the two judges have written so they are actually concurring opinions right. both of them in fact justice sanjeev khanna's opinion is just 3 pages it's mostly agreeing with both the judgments because he said i can't just agree with one or disagree i agree with both of them as for justice calls there are two uh, pointers that i'd like to mention firstly he said he that largely agreed sanjeev kishan call yes. right so he largely agreed with the majority opinion but the one point he found is that he said that the state of jammu and kashmir retained an element of internal sovereignty despite maharaja hari singh signing the instrument of accession with the dominion and he said that article 370 of the constitution recognized this internal sovereignty by recognizing the constituent assembly of the state that was the point of difference with uh, the majority judgment which as bhadra had mentioned said that uh, jammu and kashmir did not retain an element of sovereignty but his conclusions are exactly the same that the president could have issued the two orders that i just spoke about secondly what he says is he has an epilogue to his uh, judgment and he speaks about kashmir he speaks about uh, the history of kashmir the cultural political history of kashmir and he says that 
he's a kashmiri himself yes yes yeah. that's right so he spoke about the historical it's he said that kashmir valley carries a historical burden and a lot of it, the end part of his judgment deals with that so he has recommended uh, the formation of a commission which is an impartial truth and reconciliation commission he says that it's important for heal uh, for wounds to be healed it's important for this commission to find out the truth of what happened there for a common narrative and to find out violations human rights violations at least since the 1980s by both state and non state actors although he's left it for the government to figure out when this commission will be set up or what the terms of references will be or how it will be set so purva you just mentioned uh, truth and reconciliation commission so please give me a moment apurva and bhadra to explain what what justice sanjay krishan call means when he says truth and reconciliation commission so i take you back to south africa of 1996 when nelson mandela he was trying to bring the country together the country had been very divided because of apartheid so he held public hearings where people who had suffered during the apartheid mostly the blacks they gave accounts of what had happened to them of the atrocities and also then the whites or people in the in, in the establishment who carried out those atrocities they came and made confessions so there was there was a kind of there was a kind of catharsis then as they made confessions they also sought forgiveness which was granted so that was seen as a process of bringing back a broken society together that's what justice call is is suggesting for kashmir as well so why has justice khanna written this three page separate order if he agrees with everything he agrees with everything or uh, largely the only different part that i could find there was he said that the with a note of caution as i'd say he just says that conversion or creation of a union territory from a state has to be justified by giving very strong and cogent grounds and he asserted that a conversion must strictly comply with article 3 of the constitution but it was essentially him saying that he agrees with a uh, certain specific aspects of both the judgments and, and and then we come to the question of uh, so bhadra will explain to us where exactly does the judgment say the five judges say uh, that elections to the state assembly must be held by which state and what exactly is that the judges are saying uh, so basically <clears throat> while refusing to go into the validity of the um, reorganization act the judgment has actually fixed the deadline for the election commission of india to conduct elections in the legislative assembly of jammu and kashmir uh, and the date is 30th september 2024 i would just like to draw your attention you know to the uh, to the days when this matter was being argued in the supreme court when the constitution bench asked to pinpointed questions to solicitor general tushar mehta on the fact that why elections are not taking place it had um, you know emphasized on the need to have a valid democratic uh, process uh, you know to start a valid democratic process in the state by saying that people of the state need to be involved they need to be made sure that you know the government is there for them so there were deliberations during the hearing as well and i guess that is the reason why it has culminated into a direction today Although the bench has spoken about restoring a statehood in JNK it has very categorically said that election commission of India should conduct elections in the union territory of JNK without waiting for the statehood to be restored but uh, here i'd like to if i can take my headlines ke peeche hat <laughs> and ask you shekhar because you've spoken about legal bits here but if you could tell our viewers a bit about the political history of jammu and kashmir and how this 
order plays into the entire well, thing. Well, look, political history is long and hmm. we'll not go into that. Uh, the important thing is right now, the important thing is right now, you can see reactions from Jammu and Kashmir, the political class. The reactions, you might say, in some cases, it's resignation. In some cases, maybe it's acceptance of fate accompli. But generally, generally, I also see a sense of relief because this is a kind of closure. Now, Maharaja Karan Singh, who is notionally the ruler of Jammu and Kashmir, his father signed the instrument of accession. He says that I accept it. Uh, it's not as if he counts for very much in Kashmir, but the fact is that Kashmir became a part of India through a very unusual and dramatic set of events. That set of events was triggered by Pakistani adventurism because Pakistan thought that the Maharaja of Kashmir was indecisive. Maharaja of Kashmir was also not very powerful in Kashmir. His army was not listening to him. In fact, many of, much of his army had deserted. Maharaja himself left Srinagar, which came under threat from the uh, raiders and left for Jammu, leaving the elements of his army behind and his people behind. It was in that tumultuous situation, the Indian Indian government was asked to intervene. There are many books written about what happened after that. Much blood was shed. That war was fought between two governments, between two countries, who both had foreign foreign army chiefs. So both both Pakistan and India had British army chiefs because both of us had not yet appointed our own chiefs. We were all in transition. There was riots going on, partition riots going on in that situation. So many things were done at that point and many constitutional innovations were found and 370 was one of them. Since then, it became an ideological argument between, between the Congress party, the Congress party and the rest and on one side and BJP, which used to be Jansang, on the other. Remember, Shama Prasad Mukherjee, the founder of Jansang, was in Nehru's first cabinet, right? He rebelled, many others rebelled. Uh, Sardar Patel was not fully in agreement with what was going on. And since then, this was one of the binaries in our national politics. That should Jammu and Kashmir have special status or not? Now, the fact is that the Congress party never wanted this special status to continue. So it continued to dilute it. At the same time, it did not want to take it away, partly because it did not want to face the face the challenges that might emerge as a result internationally and otherwise because India's international stature was also growing over time. In the 60s, it was weak. In the 70s, after Shimla agreement, it became stronger. And then it was a work in progress. This was a good time, 2019. BJP was in power. Would the Congress have done it if they were in power? Probably not because Congress would have liked to do this serendipitously because that's the Congress's way. Now, you might say, oh, that's a devious way of doing it. So very little that's been done with Kashmir or on the Kashmir issue in the last 75 years was not devious, right? Uh, everybody. So that is the that is the history of Kashmir. And to that extent, this takes away the hypocrisy. And hopefully, this will also take away the deviousness as well, because this will take away the most ideological divisive element of the Kashmir issue in Indian politics because from now it will cease to be a political issue because nobody, no political party in India is talking about 
रिस्टोरिंग आर्टिकल 370 और रिस्टोरिंग और पुटिंग कश्मीर जम्मू एंड कश्मीर एंड लद्दाख बैक टुगेदर सो दिस इज समथिंग दैट एवरीबडी एक्सेप्ट्स सो वंस अगेन एज फार एज हिस्ट्री इज कंसर्न हिस्ट्री नेवर एंड्स बट आई वुड से वन चैप्टर इन हिस्ट्री हैज नाउ एंडेड ऑन विच नोट थैंक यू वेरी मच भद्रा and apurva for making it simpler for me otherwise i would have to I, otherwise i would have had to spend a whole night trying to understand what the judges are talking about because you know what these pages these pages are just the summary that justice chandrachur had read out in the very beginning so you can imagine how much more there was to read and to understand so thank you very much both of you have made it so simpler and truly cut the clutter for me and for our viewers as well